If God is loving, why is the world so broken? So just a light, easy question then. You know, this is one of the most commonly asked questions and one that can be a big barrier to faith for those around us. Have you heard these from those in your world? Why is this one so hard? Our world is broken. We see that every day. Every day we're bombarded with news stories of the brokenness around us. Natural disasters, wars, crime, deadly diseases, pandemics, lockdowns, illness, sickness, suffering and pain. In the face of this, our very natural response is to ask why. Why, if there is a loving God, why does he let this happen? Why is my friend suffering with cancer? Why is my loved one grieving? Why? The challenge of brokenness, pain and suffering is more than a theological or philosophical problem. It's personal. We feel this question. It is a very real question for us. We have all experienced some level of brokenness in our lives whether it be personal illness and pain, relationship breakdown, death of a loved one, financial difficulties, this question of why, if God loves me, am I going through this, is so very real and so hard to answer. Remember, everyone has a story. There's always a reason behind why this question is important to those who ask it. I encourage you to seek to understand rather than just blindly answering the question. Listen to them. Find out their story. Empathise with them. Validate the hardness of their journey. When people are feeling pain, they need a friend. They need compassion. They need someone willing to be with them as well as help them to understand. The question of brokenness and suffering is not one with an easy answer. So let's start the conversation. Well, we're going to flip this on its head. What would brokenness and pain mean if there's no God? If God does not exist, does this mean that this is just the way the world is? Do we just have to accept that this is the way it is? Brokenness is just part of life on earth? The problem with this view is that it doesn't really help us make sense of these difficulties and challenges in life. We feel angry about the injustice and pain in our world, but where does this anger come from? Where does the feeling of it being wrong come from if there is no other alternative, if this is just the way the world is? Those who may have lost confidence in God or dismissed him altogether can still find themselves clinging onto some sense of universal meaning, particularly in the face of suffering. If there is no God, we still suffer. But there is no universe to care, no design or purpose, no good, no evil, just nothing. Does the fact that this does not feel right, that deep inside us we have the sense that this is not the way it should be, Could it be that this is pointing us to the fact that God is real, that there is more, that in the face of the rawness of our suffering, that there is something wrong with the world? 
Rebecca McLaughlin, author of Confronting Christianity, suggests that perhaps suffering is not the wrecking ball that knocks Christianity down, but rather the cornerstone on which painfully, brick by brick, it has always been built. What does she mean by that? The Bible shows us a God who works powerfully in and through suffering to draw us to himself. So what if the Bible is true? What if God is real? Does that, what does that mean in this conversation? Let's go back to the beginning. Suffering and pain, it was never his plan. God's plan was for beauty, for peace, for love, for wholeness. And that is why we crave it, why we seek it. Our creator God weaves it into our very being. That's why we struggle so much with the reality of brokenness. The Bible opens with a poetic introduction to God, who is the creator of beauty. Beauty in the heavens, beauty in light, in the sky and the sea, the waters and the land, the sun and the moon, the fish and the living creatures, even beauty in human beings. Look, I have given this to you. In Genesis, it says, then God looked over all he had made and he saw that it was very good. He is a God who is good, characterized by justice, peace, love and joy, all the good things. However, it does not take long, not even three chapters into this very big book, and we find that evil, suffering and brokenness are already part of life on earth. Pushing aside God's perfect plan for a world of love, generosity, beauty and joy, sin came in and changed the plan. Our creator God cares deeply about injustice and suffering. In fact, the Bible contains the story of how evil, pain and suffering has affected us. And it does not avoid this big question as some religions do. It faces it head on and provides us with an incredible answer, the possibility of an amazing end to the story, an eternity restored back into the beauty God intended through relationship with him. Pain and suffering without God is an experience that is just disjointed and wrong to our human existence. It is just not the way it's supposed to be. The fact that suffering goes against how we feel things should be points to the truth that we are made for a world that is different to the one we live in. The Bible says this is because God has planted eternity in the human heart. We are now in a world that is different to how God intended it to be, a world damaged by sin. But God did not totally remove himself from us. He did not say, fine then, you want to stuff it up? You're on your own, baby. No, in fact, he did the absolute opposite. He stepped down. He sent his only son to us, willingly sacrificing him for our sake. Jesus experiences human life with us. He identifies with us. He empathised with us. He felt our pain. 
He suffered with us and for us. He experienced the ultimate suffering and pain. He gave his life for us, carrying our sin and our pain through death to restore our relationship with him, not just to save us, but because of who he is. He is love. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Jesus became fully human and shares in our pain, standing with us in that space, choosing to be in this with us to restore us to him. We see this Jesus in the gospel story of Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. In this story, Mary, who had sat at Jesus' feet, and Martha, who had been busy serving him, hit a place of pain. Their brother Lazarus was sick. However, all should have been well because they were friends with the miracle-working healer, Jesus. The Bible tells us in John 11 that Although Jesus loved Martha, Mary and Lazarus, when they contacted him to let him know that that Lazarus was really sick, he stayed where he was for the next two days. What? But Jesus, we need you. Hang on, a little sidebar here. Have you ever called out to God, pleaded with him for something that you need to take your pain or that of another that you love just to hear nothing? just for him to stay where he was. What do we do when that happens? Do you know it happened to Jesus too? Jesus cried out to his father to take his pain, his suffering, but he went to the cross anyway. But at that time, God was closer to him than ever. It tells us in Luke that as Jesus prayed this desperate prayer, God sent an angel from heaven to strengthen him, but he did not remove that cup of suffering as he asked him to. Sometimes the answer is not what we want, but God does not forsake us. He is there in the pain. Let's go back to Mary, Martha and Lazarus. By the time Jesus did come, Lazarus had been dead for four days. That's a long time. That's a hard time and a very sad and painful time. If you had been here, Jesus, he would not have died. Jesus responds with, your brother will rise again. I know, says Martha, he will rise when everyone does on that last day. But we can hear behind that the grief and pain of her heart. But what about now? Where were you? Why didn't you help me? Our current pain is real. It hurts. Theological answers are not enough, but they are not all that Christianity offers. Jesus looks Martha in the eye and says, I am the resurrection and the life. As you stand here in your desperate grief, your greatest need, even greater than having your brother back, your greatest need is to have 
me. Jesus is life, life in the face of suffering, life in the face of death. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, I have always believed. Then she turned to Mary, and when Mary saw Jesus, she too said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her and saw the other people wailing with her, he was deeply troubled. Then we have one of the shortest but most powerful verses of the Bible. Then Jesus wept. In our pain, he's been there. In our lament, our crying out to God, our passionate expression of grief and sorrow, he cries with us. He is the God who is in our suffering with us, moved by compassion, taking our pain on himself. The prophet Isaiah spoke of Jesus when he said, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. It was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. He knows the end of the story when he will wipe away every tear from our eyes, but still he weeps with us. A special kind of intimacy is formed in this space. I know I've seen this in my life. It's only those that we are are the closest to that we cry with creating an intimate bond, growing the depth of that relationship, strengthening it and drawing us closer together. But this story goes on. Jesus' power over death is complete. It is the foundation of our hope in the face of a broken world and the inevitable end of our lives. It is this space between the time when Jesus grieved with Martha And when he called Lazarus out of the tomb, that Martha saw Jesus for who he really is, her real life. Rebecca McLaughlin puts it like this. Jesus is not a means to an end, a mechanism through which Martha can change her circumstances. He is the end. Her circumstances drive her to him. It's not that her suffering or our suffering doesn't matter. It matters enough to bring tears to the eyes of the Son of God. It is an entry point to relationship, a relationship formed through suffering as much as through joy. If, as Jesus claims, the goal of our existence is relationship with him, finding him in our suffering is the point. God's primary response is not to give us answers, but to give us himself. He draws us to him. He stands with us and holds us together. He shapes us, builds us, and he will restore us to him. Timothy Keller says, Through Jesus, God experienced the greatest depths of pain. Therefore, Though Christianity does not provide the reason for each experience of pain, it provides deep resources for actually facing suffering with hope and courage rather than bitterness and despair. 
Although no one is grateful for pain or suffering, no one asks for it. Through it, we can see great faith develop. We can see courage, endurance, insight, wisdom, and strength grow. Faith in action is such a powerful example of the reality of God. I want to share with you briefly a story of such faith. A couple that have experienced pain, suffering, and brokenness, but have built strong, inspiring faith in a loving God. My brother Matthew and his wife Alison. And with their permission, I want to share some of Ali's powerful testimony. Ali lost her dad when she was young, so was not a stranger to pain, grief and suffering. After Matthew and Ali had been married for a few years, they shared the exciting news that they were expecting their first baby and our hearts were, of course, filled with joy for them. But then they had to receive the news that no one wants to hear. Their beautiful, much-loved baby was not going to survive outside the womb. Pain, immense love and suffering linked together. A very hard place to be. They had to say goodbye. Fast forward a few years and they welcomed their first son and then a few more years and another beautiful daughter. Five years ago saw the arrival of their second son, so precious. Soon after his birth, they were told he had two massive holes in his heart. And that, along with some other indicators, led the medical staff to believe that he was a child with Down syndrome. The medical challenges he faced led to several surgeries and a lot of time in hospital and some very scary moments of his life in the balance. They didn't choose to have any of that in their life. They didn't choose to be planning the funeral of their daughter, to receive a birth and then a death certificate for her. They didn't choose to walk into the world of raising a child with a disability. Ali says, I didn't choose, but I found I had a choice. I'm not going to ask why. I felt so very convinced to not question God because I wanted to to declare my trust in God would not falter even though my heart was crushed. God showed me that how I walked through my pain and how I chose to live, believe and speak mattered more than the reason why I had the pain in the first place. I would keep walking and know he would see me through. I could relentlessly pursue answers to my questions or make the pursuit of my heart Jesus. As I pursued him, I moved to a greater trust and surrender. In the depth of the pain, at the point of crying out, I can't do this, it's too hard. In that place of lament, crying out to God, sitting with Jesus in the sadness, they were reminded that God was indeed so very close. They made a choice to remain in him. They found him in the pain. The pain was still there, but through it they experienced the power and reality of a loving God. 
The stories of these two beautiful children were not in Ali and Matt's dream plan for their life. But they believe there is a reason that they are not writing their story and God is. He knows how it all works out. He knows the beginning, the middle and the end. He's writing their story. Their story now includes the joy of another little boy too, and here they are now. God's original plan was not one that included pain and suffering. It was for beauty and joy, but he knows the end of the story. Ultimately, he heals us and restores us, and finally he will restore our world, his world to one without brokenness when his kingdom does indeed come on earth. God promises us that one day he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. But we are not promised that we will not experience pain and sadness in the space between now and entering eternity with him. What end could possibly be worth all this pain? Jesus says he is. Pain and suffering need not be something that disproves a loving God. Maybe the question should not be if God is loving, why is the world so broken? But more a reflection on who God is. Our God loves us so much that he reaches into the world, his world that has been broken with love, empathy and compassion. Is our world broken? Yes. He grieves with us at the broken state of his beautiful world. Does God care? Yes. He sits with us in the pain. He has truly been there and experienced that. He cries with us, allowing his tears to meld with ours. Is God loving? Yes. God is love. He came. He suffered death on a cross, taking our pain and sin, and he rose again, defeating death and sin once and for all. He loves us and draws us closer to him, giving us his strength. He restores us with joy. He knows the end of the story. I think this is just the start of many further conversations around brokenness and our loving God. If you are struggling through this today, know that Jesus wants to be right there with you, that he loves you, but he will never leave you. He has been there before and he has an ultimate plan for restoration. Please let us know how we can support you and pray with you. Brokenness is real, but so is hope, love and joy. Let me finish with this powerful quote from Rebecca McLaughlin. From a Christian perspective, There is not only hope for a better end. There is the intimacy now with the one whose resurrected hands still bear the scars of the nails that pinned him to the cross. 
Suffering is not an embarrassment to the Christian faith. It is the thread with which Christ's name is stitched into our lives. Thank you, Jesus.